1: Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches
2: through God's Word. And what is pride? Pride is just a high opinion of yourself, a high opinion of your own importance, a high opinion of your own merit, your own ability. It's seeing yourself as superior to others. Haughtiness is the same kind of thing, self-exaltation. And Moab was prideful and they were haughty. They refused to humble themselves. The Bible says that God is against the proud. He's against a proud individual. He's against a proud nation. The Bible says he gives grace to the humble. Pride can be so deceptive,
1: it sneaks into your life and if left unchecked, it'll lead to destruction. God weeps over the pride of Moab as they continue to seek salvation from their false gods even after the Lord gave them a way of escape. Because they didn't deal with their pride, God destroyed their land and nation as he said he would. Pastor Dan urges you today to decide who your God is. Are you holding on to something that has let you down over and over again? Turn from that and run to the one true God who will never fail you. And now open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 16, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Now look at
2: verse 4. Let my outcasts dwell with you, O Moab. Be a shelter to them from the face of the spoiler. For the extortioner, is at an end. Devastation ceases. The oppressors are consumed out of the land. Now verse 4 makes a sudden change here in the text. Up to now the text has been describing the refugees of Moab and their plight of trying to escape their their enemy, but now in verse 4 the Lord speaks to Moab, He's not speaking about Moab. He speaks to Moab and he says, Let my outcasts dwell with you, O Moab. Moab, the daughters of Moab, are looking for a place to hide. And here the Lord just kind of interjects verse 4. And the Lord says to Moab to receive his outcasts, the outcasts of Judah, to be a shelter to them. Let my outcasts dwell with you, O Moab. Be a shelter to them from the face of the spoiler, for the extortioner is at an end. Devastation ceases. The oppressors are consumed out of the land. The Lord asks Moab to receive his outcasts, Judah, and be a shelter for them, for Judah. Then in verse 5, then in verse 5 describes the establishment of the messianic kingdom at the end of the great tribulation when Jesus Christ comes back and establishes his kingdom on the earth. So what's going on here? Well, many scholars believe that verse 4 speaks of the Jewish people in Israel taking refuge in the land of Moab during the great tribulation that here it goes from the time of Isaiah, just a few years after Isaiah gave this prophecy, and as we've seen before, Isaiah does this, where suddenly now he goes all the way to the end of the age, and he goes to the end of the Great Tribulation. He goes into the Great Tribulation when tribulation comes upon the people of Israel, and he asks Moab to be a refuge for his people during the time of the Great Tribulation. Matthew 24. Remember, uh, this is the Olivet Discourse, this second longest sermon of Jesus recorded in the Gospels that he gave on the Mount of Olives, where he's talking about the, the end of the world, the end of the age, the signs of the end, the signs of his second coming. In Matthew 24, verse 15, he's talking about the great tribulation that will come, the great tribulation is that last seven years of human history where God pours out his wrath upon the earth, upon a Christ-rejecting world, and then at the end of that seven years of tribulation, you have the battle of Armageddon, and Jesus Christ returns to the earth and establishes his kingdom on the earth but here in, in uh, verse 15 of Matthew 24, Jesus says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet in Daniel chapter 9, standing in the holy place, this is when the Antichrist, Christ, this, this world leader at the end of the age, will go into the temple that's in Jerusalem He'll declare himself to be God and he'll require everyone to worship him as God. This is the abomination that makes desolation. Jesus says, when you see that happen, that was spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then when that happens, then, and that's going to happen halfway through the seven year tribulation period, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains those that are in Judea. Judea is the area directly around Jerusalem. He doesn't say those that are living in Tel Aviv or those that are living in Haifa or those that are living in Tiberias. But those that are in that area right around Jerusalem, he says, run for your lives when that happens. And run to the mountains. The the mountains are to the east in Moab. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. The housetops were flat in those days. They're still flat. A lot of houses there. People would go up on top of the house. They had like a patio up there. He says, if you're on top of your house, don't go back down into your house. Take anything out of the house. You don't have time. Let him who is in the field working not go back to his house to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant And to those who are nursing babies in those days, because that's going to slow you down. You're going to have to stop to feed your baby and you don't have that kind of time. And pray, verse 20, that your flight may not be in winter, because it snows, or on the Sabbath, because everything closes on the Sabbath in Israel. You're not going to be able to get gas for your car, There's not going to be any public transportation. No stores are going to be open. So pray that that you don't have to flee on the Sabbath day. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world, until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Jesus says there will be great tribulation upon the earth like never before. That includes the flood of Noah. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. No one would survive. But for the elect's sake, the elect's sake would be the Jewish people, those days will be shortened. And so here he's he's talking to the Jews that live in Judea, that when this takes place halfway through the tribulation period, this abomination that makes desolation, he says, run for your lives and flee to the mountains. And many scholars believe that the Jews in Judea will flee to Moab for their refuge when this happens. Uh, In 70 AD, when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans, many of the Jews at that time fled to Moab for safety. And there's many Bible scholars that believe during this tribulation period that the Jews again will flee to Moab for refuge. They reference back to Isaiah 16, where the Lord asks Moab to give his people shelter during this time. I go to Revelation chapter 12. Here it talks about this woman who has a child, and there's a dragon that tries to destroy the child and destroy the woman. Uh, And it's using figurative language, of course, but the woman is Israel, the child is Jesus, the dragon is Satan. And it says in Revelation 12, verse 6, then the woman, which was Israel, the Jewish people, then the woman fled into the wilderness the desert, where she had a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days or three and a half years. And so there's a place in the wilderness that's prepared by God for the Jewish people during the tribulation period where they can flee to, where they'll be provided for to kind of ride out the tribulation period, what's left of it, the three and a half years left of it. And again, many think that place is in Moab. Specifically, a lot of people think it's the city of Petra, uh, the rock city of Petra, possibly. But again, going back to to Isaiah chapter 16, the Lord asks Moab to be a shelter for his people. Verse 4 says, Let my outcasts, my refugees, dwell with you, O Moab. Be a shelter to them from the face of the spoiler. You know, and again, a lot of people think that this is going to happen during the great tribulation period when the Israelites have to flee and they flee into Moab, modern day Jordan, and they take refuge there. Verse 5, in mercy, the throne will be established. You know, when Jesus Christ comes again, he's going to come again literally to the earth and he's going to literally establish a kingdom here on earth. And rule over the earth. And verse 5 tells us it's going to be the mercy of God. The mercy of God upon the world. And isn't isn't that true? Just that the Lord would have mercy on us. And not allow us to try to rule ourselves anymore. Or he's just going to take over. And he's going to rule. And look what it says. And one will sit on it in truth. And in the tabernacle of David. Judging and seeking justice. And hastening Righteousness. It's going to be the mercy of God when Jesus comes and establishes His throne and rules over the earth and it says that He will rule the earth with mercy and He will rule the earth with truth and justice and righteousness. Isn't that going to be great? The, just the mercy of God. That he's just going to have mercy on us and, and take that control out of our hands because we haven't done such a hot job ruling ourselves in the world. It's just the mercy of God. And his kingdom, his rule, will be characterized by justice and righteousness. He will always do what is just. He will always do what is right when he's ruling. Verse 6, We have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud Of his haughtiness and his pride and his wrath, but his lies shall not be so. Verse 6 tells us the sin of Moab. This is why they're being judged, because of their pride. God will judge them for their pride and for their haughtiness and for their wrath. And what is pride? Pride is just a high opinion of yourself, a high opinion of your own importance, a high opinion of your own merit, your own ability. It's seeing yourself as superior to others. Haughtiness is the same kind of thing, self-exaltation. And Moab was prideful and they were haughty. They refused to humble themselves. The Bible says that God is against the proud. He's against a proud individual. He's against a proud nation. The Bible says he gives grace to the humble. You know, he receives the contrite heart. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, "Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, and that was the testimony of Moab: Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. therefore, Moab shall wail for Moab, everyone shall wail for the foundations of Ker. Herseth, that's that's down in the south. So the, the uh, Assyrian army is moving down through the land. They're almost to the southern part of Moab. You shall mourn. Surely they are stricken. For the fields of Heshbon languish and the vine of Sibma. The lords of the nations have broken down its choice plants, which have reached to Jazer. And wandered through the wilderness. Her branches are stretched out. They are gone over the sea. It was once this great nation. Now it's just destroyed. Therefore, I will bewail the vine of Sibma. With the weeping of Jazer. I will drench you with my tears. Again, we see the Lord's heart here. Weeping for the destruction that's coming upon them. I will drench you with my tears. O Heshbon. And uh, Elale. For battle cries have fallen over your summer fruits and your harvest. He, he says, so there's, there's no the idea here with this battle cries, it's a triumphant shout. The idea is there's no longer shouting for joy over the great harvests that they once had there in, in Moab. Uh, the harvest isn't great anymore. There's nothing to rejoice over anymore. The, the land is desolate. It's destroyed. There's nothing to shout for joy about. Gladness is taken away. And joy from the plentiful field. In the vineyards there will be no more singing. Nor will there be shouting. No treaders will tread out wine in the presses. Because there will be no grapes to harvest. To tread in the wine presses. I have made their shouting cease. Therefore my heart shall resound like a harp. For Moab and my inner being for Ker and, and here we see just the Lord's lament for the fate of Moab because of their pride. This judgment comes upon them, and it, and it breaks the Lord's heart to see this, this once great land, this once fruitful land, this once prosperous land to be brought so low and devastated because of their pride. And He weeps for them. Verse 12, And it shall come to pass when it is seen that Moab is weary on the high place, that he will come to his sanctuary to pray, but he will not prevail. Uh, What is most heartbreaking about this story is that the Moabites will continue to seek salvation from their false gods. They'll continue to go to the temple of Chemosh, thinking that Chemosh will rescue them, and Chemosh will save them from this destruction that will come upon them, from all these calamities that will fall upon their nation. And, and, and Moab will continue to look to uh, their, their false gods for help. And it's going to be to no avail. It will not prevail it says that that is what is most heartbreaking here about their story. They, they continue to look to the wrong place for help and nothing. And it doesn't work. And they continue to do it even as it's failing them. It reminds me a little bit of the story of um, in First Kings when the children of Israel, they began to worship Baal because they they believed that Baal caused the rain to fall upon their crops, to water their crops, and that Baal prospered them as farmers. And so what did God do in 1 Kings? God sent a drought upon Israel for three years to show them that it wasn't Baal that made them prosper. It was the Lord God that made them prosper. It was the Lord God who sent the rain to them not Baal, and this lasted for three years. It's an agrarian society, and so this drought, it devastated their land, it devastated their farms, it devastated their crops, it devastated their economy. They had an agrarian economy. It ruined the nation economically. And then if you remember in 1 Kings 17 and 18, Elijah, the prophet, he has this showdown on Mount Carmel. You guys remember that story? He has this showdown with the prophets of Baal. And he challenges the prophets of Baal. And he he tells all of the nation of Israel to gather together there on Mount Carmel. And then Elijah says to the nation of Israel, 1 Kings 18, 21. I'll just read it to you. He says to them, to the people. Here, they're three years into this drought. Their economy's ruined. They're devastated as a nation. And he says to them, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And Elijah the prophet says, how long will you falter between two opinions? That word falter, it means to dance or or to, to waffle. How how long are you going to dance between these two gods? How long are you going to waffle back and forth between Baal and the Lord Yahweh? And he says, if the Lord Yahweh is God, worship him. And if Baal is God, then worship him. And what he's calling them to make a decision. He says, you got to make a decision. Who's your God? Is it Baal? Or is it Yahweh? You can't can't keep up with this dance anymore. You got to decide. And you would think after three years of a drought, when your economy is ruined and everything is devastated, you would think that the children of Israel in that moment would say, the Lord is our God. It's not Baal. Baal has failed us for three years. He's no God. He doesn't make it rain. But what it says there is after he says to them, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal follow him, it says, but the people answered him not a word. You got to make a choice. And they're still holding on to Baal. Not a one of them said, Baal is not our God. They're still holding on to this God that has failed them over and over and over for years. And that's what Moab's doing. They're still holding on to Chemosh as the Assyrian military is just devastating their land and marching right through it and just scorching it and destroying every city. And they're still going up to the temple of Chemosh and praying for Chemosh to rescue them. And they're still holding on to their God, even as their their nation is being devastated. And to to me, that's what's most sad about Moab. That's what's most sad about people that do that. When they can hold on to something that is ruining their life and ruining their family and just devastating them. And they still continue to hold on to it and hold on to it and hold on to it. And they won't let go of it. And that's what Moab's doing here. And so he says, going on here, verse 13. This is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning Moab since that time. But now the Lord has spoken, saying, within three years, as the years of a hired man, the glory of Moab will be despised with all that great multitude, and the remnant will be very small and feeble. The Lord says here that this is going to come upon Moab within three years. And it happened in 732 B.C. The the Assyrian army invaded the land of Moab and destroyed the land and fulfilled this prophecy of Isaiah. And it tells us at the end of verse uh, 14 that just a small, feeble remnant of people survived in Moab. But they had three years to repent. They had three years of warning. And yet they still kept trusting in Chemosh, trusting in their God, and it brought destruction to their land.
1: That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of His life and ministry, from His virgin birth to His sacrificial death to His resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. We'd love to hear from you too and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth.